Our scripture reading for today is from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. Good morning, fellowship. Let me add my welcome to what you've already heard from Lindsay and the others. I'm Rob Sweet. I'm the lead pastor here, and, and along with Lloyd Shadrach, one of two teaching pastors. And uh, good to see you all in the room. Good to be seen uh, by those of you online. Thank you for being with us. And it is good, as Lindsay said, to sing and be together in worship. And it's just um, a privilege, is it not? We're in this season where everyone feels a little fragmented. Everyone feels disconnected, separated. Things are different. And yet we have this in common this gathering this morning for worship. If you are new to fellowship, let me say welcome. Um, some of you might feel new to fellowship because it may be your first time back in this room. Some of you may be watching online for the very first time. We welcome you. Thank you for being a part of this worship service this morning. Whether you're here or online and you're new, you want to get connected, go to newtofellowship.com. That's the great first step, the first step to take. So today, here's what I want to do. We want to take a week in between our series, we just wrapped up the Wilderness Series last week. Next week, we're going to start our new series, The Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do a biblical exposition of Matthew 5 to 7, verse by verse. It's going to take us a good long time. I'm so excited about it. But before we get there, we're going to take a moment, just one week, where we're going to talk about where we are right now as a church in the midst of this pandemic, what our plans are for the rest of the year. We want to give clarity because who likes this mess of, you know, what are we going to do next week and the next month? And we want to give you clarity. Here's what the rest of the year is going to look like. But more important than that, we're going to explain how our decisions have been rooted in God's word. And in, particularly, in particular, the passage that you've already heard read to you twice this morning, Colossians chapter 3. So I want to go ahead and invite you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Guys, here's the key question we've been wrestling through as a leadership team and a group of elders and, and staff at, at Fellowship. How do we grow together as disciples of Jesus in a time of separation? How do we grow together as disciples of Jesus in a time of disunity and division? And, and I like the word fragmentation because it speaks to the brokenness and the separation and the disunity that's not just out there in the broader culture, but is right in here in our own church and even right here in our own hearts. It is a time of fragmentation. So how do we grow together as disciples? Our text this morning in Colossians 3 was written in the 60s. Not the 1960s, the A.D. 60s. And what's interesting about that is when I say the 60s, our minds immediately go to all the fragmentation and disunity and riots and all those kinds of things of that decade. Here we are again in another very interesting time. And yet the A.D. 60s were even more disruptive. The A.D. 60s were even more scattered and separated and fragmented, particularly for the church. 
as the church was just getting started, it was fragmenting. It was being torn apart. Let me explain. The, the body of Christ in the figurative sense had been separated. It had been scattered all over the Roman Empire through the persecution. Individual bodies of Christians were literally being separated, fragmented, torn apart limb from limb by that same persecution. And it was introducing all these decisions that the church had to make of how they were going to stay united now that they were scattered now that they were separated during this season. I think it's interesting that Satan's very first strategy against the church was to separate and fragment us. There is nothing new under the sun. So into that historical context of disunity and fragmentation, Paul wrote the words of Colossians 3, 12 to 17. So let's unpack them together. I'm gonna go back through, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Notice where Paul starts. He doesn't start with the commands. He starts with the reminder of their identity. He says, in order for you to live the way God's calling you to live in a season of disunity and separation and fragmentation, you must remember who you are. And he names it out for them. He he calls out to them these, these key points of identity. He says, you are God's chosen ones. You are holy, which means set apart. And you are beloved. That means you are dearly loved. Guys, in moments of uncertainty, in moments of disunity, in moments of separation and fragmentation inside and anxiety and all those emotions that that people are feeling in, in different degrees, it is so important to remember who we are. It is so important to remember that we've been set apart for things like this. We've been called to things like this. We've been chosen. Not only that, we're loved Do you see how deeply believing in the love of God is like this massive safety net that will allow you to take risks, that will allow you to sort of move in the face of fear, that that will allow you to say, you know what? I know God loves me despite circumstances looking strange or uncomfortable or unusual or scary. The only way that you can let go of control which is what we're all fighting right now, is the loss of control. The only way you can let go of control is if you believe the one who is in control deeply loves you. And so Paul starts there. We have to start there as well. We remember who we are. And then Paul goes on to say, I want you to wear some new clothes. Because of who you are, I want you to put on new clothing. And he's going to list them out. Eight different articles of clothing is the analogy that Paul is using. Put on then, and he's going to list them. Eight things, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. And then the last one, overall, what he says, binds everything together in perfect harmony Love. Now, these are the articles of clothing that Christians should wear because this is from the wardrobe of Jesus himself. So if we want to look like Jesus, if if we want to have the the scent, the aroma of Christ about us in a time of uncertainty in our 
community and culture, we have to put on these clothes. Now, what's interesting about these clothes is that there's not one article of clothing, to use Paul's metaphor, that you can put on in isolation. These are all meant to be worn in relationship, in community with other people. Look at them. You know, compassionate hearts, that's only displayed in community. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, every one of these is only displayed in community. And by the way, all the yous in this text are you plurals. They're, they're y'alls, as we would say in the South. And so uh, another way to think about it is this. Jesus Christ becomes visible when his people move toward one another in love. When we're united, not fragmented. When we're together, and we'll talk about how we can be together in this time, we're, we're going to get there. And so the rest of the passage then of, of the verses that follow paint a picture of what it looks like when the body of Christ is a body, comes together in a time of separation, in a time of fragmentation. Well, what does it look like? The first thing you will begin to experience, Paul is going to say, is peace. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Isn't that a, let's we'll stop right there because isn't that a great verse for our moment? Guys, we were called to peace. Don't forget what peace means biblically. Peace doesn't mean the absence of conflict biblically. That, that's a starting point maybe. Peace is broader and bigger and more beautiful than that. Peace in the Bible means wholeness. It means being put together rightly. It's your relationship with God is right. Your relationship with your family is right. Your relationship with your neighbors is right. Your relationship with your work is right. It's all this wholeness that we're called to. And so he's saying, let the wholeness of Jesus Christ rule where? In your hearts to, you, indeed you were called that's the purpose of the gathering, the church, the assembly. You are called to this wholeness in our hearts with Christ at the center. And that's going to produce in us gratitude. Now, guys, I just want you to think about this. Wholeness, peace, use the, the biblical word, is exactly what we're all starving for right now. It's the opposite of fragmentation. And it's exactly what we need and they need, they being our community around us. And so how do we experience peace? How will we experience peace in this season? That's where Paul's going to continue on. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see why this text is such a great text for us right now in this season? If you want to know where we're going, what the rest of 2020 is going to look like a fellowship, this is a great place to start. We're going to let the word of Christ dwell richly in us, teaching, admonishing. We're going to sing psalms and hymns. We're going to do all this and we're going to be moving toward unity. Let's just talk about this first one. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's no accident that we believe God is leading us to a long study of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Um, you remember the Bibles that have the red letters? You know, some of you may be reading from one of those. I don't know if they're as prevalent as they used to be. Um, th- that whole section, Matthew 5 to 7, is red letters. We've decided we're going to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in this season. Guess what else we're going to be doing? Singing psalms and hymns. Now, I'm going to call out something that I've noticed. When we're home watching the service, I know this is true in my family. Maybe it's true in y'all's family too. And, and you know, we've all been home watching services because we were all online originally. And, and most of us still are online. The singing part is weird. Can I just say that? Maybe not for everybody. Like maybe some of you have like the Von Trapp family at home and you know, you guys are singing in like three-part harmony. But in my house, we're kind of just like sitting around, you know, I'm kind of like doing this on my phone and I'm like, man, Carl's really got it today or whatever. But I'm not usually actively participating. Can I just admit that? It's hard to do that. It's, It's different when you're in person. So we're thinking about how can we sing songs together? I'm going to talk about that. That's going to be part of our plan. So I just want you to see how this is all informing what we're thinking about. Now, the idea of unity and togetherness is what this whole text is rooted out of. The oneness. That theme is in every letter Paul wrote. Every single one of Paul's epistles talks about the unity of the body the wholeness, the oneness, the the diversity of the body, which is beautiful, coming together around something in common. Why was Paul so passionate about unity? One reason is because Jesus Christ was so passionate about unity. I want to show you this text in John 17. This is at the Last Supper. This is called the High Priestly Prayer when Jesus prays to the Father on behalf of his disciples. This is what he says in his prayer. The glory that you, Father, have given me, I have given to them, disciples, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Guys, there's some theological fireworks going off in this passage. It's amazing. Do you you see the Trinity in this? The oneness of the Trinity? You might be thinking, well, the Holy Spirit is not mentioned. Jesus just spent the previous chapters talking about how the Holy Spirit is coming to indwell the believers. And because of the Spirit of Christ in the disciples, Jesus is saying it's going to be possible for them to be one with me as I, Jesus is saying, is one with you, the Father. Guys, The disciples of Christ are being invited into the unity of the Trinity. That wholeness, that perfect bond of love, this is absolutely profound. And he's saying there's a missional purpose to that unity as well so that the world may know the Father sent the Son and that the world may know that the Father loves his disciples even as he loves his Son, Jesus Christ. This is profound. So let me ask you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know that describes most of us in the room, but not all. We've got some that are exploring Christianity or just participating uh, just to, to learn what this is all about. And that's fantastic. Thank you for being with us. But as a follower of Jesus and as a part of this church, what are you willing to fight for? Now, I asked that question and some of you might be thinking, I don't really want to fight. You know, <laughs> like, doesn't fighting divide? 
Doesn't fighting fragment, which is exactly the opposite of peace? What if we were fighting for unity? What if we were actually fighting for wholeness? You see, that's what we're going to do. We're going to swim upstream in a culture of separation, disunity, fragmentation. We're going to fight for togetherness. We're going to fight for unity because, guys, fragmentation is the enemy of the church. Disunity is the enemy of the church. It's Satan's number one strategy. And by depending on the Spirit, rooted in the Word of God, being courageously real, thinking not about ourselves, we're going to fight for unity. That's how we're going to live out however long this season lasts. Now, I want to tell you what our plans are. And all that was the why behind the what of our plans. Now I want to tell you our plans so that you know where we're going, so you know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm excited about it. We're wrapping this season of our church around this core value better together. You've already heard it talked about it a couple of times. We realized, oh my goodness, we already have a core value that represents what we think our church needs most right now and what the broader community needs to see right now. And that's a group of people that have very diverse opinions about things coming together better together. And so this is what we're going to lean into, this core value, because we believe togetherness moves against fragmentation. Togetherness moves us closer to wholeness, closer to wholehearted life in Jesus. So what will this look like? I'm going to talk about four categories of things that we're going to go after the rest of 2020. Worshiping together, gathering together, praying together, and serving together. And those are just broad categories that kind of give an outline for your mind. And then I'll tell you how they're all connected together at the end. So I'm going to talk about them just one at a time. First one I want to talk about is worshiping together. What will it look like for us to worship together? Now, I want to call something out right now. There are a number of you in this room right now, and there are a number of you watching online. And and I do not want to create any sense of like, well, the you know, don't you um, all need to be here? The reality is some of you cannot be here right now for good reasons and all kinds of reasons. So I'm not judging anyone for not being here. In fact, what I want to call us to is how can we worship Christ together even though we are separated physically for a time. Guys, it's not ideal. I've been kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to all the online stuff, honestly, because I, I don't think virtual is the same as incarnational. And yet... For where we are right now in this season, God is using the online parts of what we do for his glory. And I am so glad we have that available. And there are people that can't be present with us in this room that are still able to worship with us. And I celebrate that. At the same time, I long for the day that we'll all be able to be gathered. And and I'm gonna talk about how we're gonna navigate that tension for the rest of this year. But let me just give you an analogy for what I think this can be like right now. I'm a big football fan, college football fan. Some of you know that. I went to the University of Georgia. I was in the marching band there. Like, I'm all in on the dogs. And I don't get to go to many games, but I watch every game. And so I'll call my friend after the game who was physically present, and I will talk about what I saw, and he will talk about what he saw, and we have a common experience together. I hope it's a little different than worshiping together, but sometimes it looks like that. That didn't get any laughter at all, and that's okay. (laughs) Maybe y'all take me too seriously on that, and you probably should, uh, to be honest. But let let me talk about what it's going to look like for us separated physically for a season to continue to worship together. 
74% of you, according to our survey, have yet to return to our uh, in-person gatherings. 26% of you have. Now that number is moving. That, this was from a week or two ago. We're probably a little higher than that now. But for the most part, this matches what we're kind of seeing in our attendance numbers. And so this is our reality. And this may change over time, but to be honest with you, it's going to be more about what happens with the virus and what happens in the broader community to when this is going to be able to significantly change. So how are we going to worship together with this reality? Well, a couple of things. Number one, we've decided to move from three services at Brentwood to two services at Brentwood. They're going to match the same times as the two services at Franklin, 9 a.m. and 1045. So all of you in the room right now, you're 935ers. And you look around the room, there's a good number of you. You should see eight o'clock, not so much. You should see 1110, not so much. We've got plenty of space in two services, even with every other row removed for us to spread out and do all the things that we need to do in this, in this season. So starting August 23rd, we're gonna go to 9 a.m. and 1045. We think that's the right move for us, keeping in mind stewardship and all those other kinds of things. By the way, Franklin Camp has had these same two service times for a long time now, for years. They work great. And by, by working great, I mean it's about an equal distribution of the congregation in, in two services. And that's a win. It's a win for our volunteers as well. It's been difficult to try to staff a learning center when we've had three services. This is going to enable us to do something well. Let me save that announcement for just a moment because I've got one thing to tell you first. We're going to start live streaming the Franklin campus as well as the Brentwood campus. So those that are watching online that are part of the Franklin, you can rejoice. You can be glad. Uh, Franklin is a week behind Brentwood. So while I'm here at Brentwood today, Lloyd's at Franklin in this very moment teaching last week's message that was here at Brentwood. We want the Franklin folks to be able to keep in step with their campus even if they're online. So starting on August 23rd. That's some awesome uh, ringtone music we got there. It's like pumping me up. It's a movie soundtrack. I know y'all can't hear it online. You're like, what is this silly guy talking about? But there's a movie soundtrack going right now. Okay. Two services at each campus. These are the times. We're going to live stream both. It's going to be a big win to help that Franklin community be better together in the season. Now I can tell you this last announcement. We are going to open our learning center, Lord willing, on September 13th. And here's how we're going to do it. We're gonna do a phased opening beginning at 50% capacity. What that means is each room will have 50% of its capacity. We're gonna keep our eye on those numbers because we feel like that's a wise thing to do in this season. We believe we are gonna have enough volunteers with two services at Brentwood instead of three to be able to staff that. And, and we're, we're going to staff it only in a way that is safe and is the right kind of environment we can create for our kids. If you still would like to volunteer with us, we would love to have you. Talk to Marty. Talk to Carrie, talk to Emily. We still need additional volunteers, but we believe we will be able to. We're counting on it, trusting, planning to open our learning center on September 13th at 50% capacity. That is great news, guys, because there are people watching right now that would love to be here, but they're not able to because their kids can't sit in the service. So we're, we're thrilled about this. It's going to be wonderful for our kids as well. So I hope you'll join us for that. All right, let me talk about our, gu our guiding principles real briefly because I want to talk about what it looks like and feels like to be here in person for those of you that are online. 
We've shared with you before these three guiding principles. We, we initiated them way back in the pandemic time, or it is still pandemic, the quarantine time, and we're still living these out. Care well for the body, stay in step with our community, and love one another. Now, here's what that means practically. For now, it means we're going to continue with social distancing and strongly encouraging masks. So here's how that looks. For those of you that are not in the room, we have every other row removed, so it allows six feet between rows, and we have space in our service for families to spread out. As far as masks go, we strongly encourage not require masks, and I wanna strongly encourage you, particularly in the lobby areas, when you're coming in and coming out in the restrooms, anywhere where there's a congestion of people, it's important. Once you come to your seat and you're able to spread out, you're welcome to take your mask off or you're welcome to leave it on. That is your choice. Now, I know some of you don't fully agree with these restrictions. In fact, our survey revealed that some of you feel like we're being too lenient and some of you feel like we're being too strict. And you're about split 50-50, those of you that shared opinions with us, which by the way, they were all helpful. Uh, some of you just say, why don't you just open with no restrictions? This thing is overblown by the media, etc. Others of you are saying, why are you even meeting in person right now? That's not wise. We've taken all the feedback. We've prayed. We've sought counsel. We've talked to medical experts. We believe these restrictions that we have and that, that we're going to be continuing uh, for, for at least this season, we believe these restrictions are wise and balanced. And it is okay for us not to agree 100% on that. In fact, I wanna just call something out if I can, and this isn't a soapbox, this is really preaching to myself. Masks in particular have kind of become a fault line in our culture. Let's not let them become a fault line in our body. And, and here's what I'd say. Unity is not about agreeing on everything. Unity is not about seeing things exactly the same way. Unity is about moving toward one another because you've prioritized what matters most. That's what unity is about. And so these debates can divide our fellowship if we're not careful. Guys, for those of you that feel differently than we do about masks, that is okay. And we welcome, continue to give us your perspective and feedback. We want to love you well in that. Those of you that, that just won't come until there's either a mask mandate or, or everything's gone, we're going to love you. We're going to continue. You don't have to agree with our stance, but we've prayed it through. We believe that where we are right now is wise and balanced. And as things change with the virus, we're going to continue to be praying and asking these questions. But for the foreseeable future, we're going to continue with social distancing and masks strongly encouraged. All right. That's how we will worship together, even though we're spread apart. That's how we're going to do Sundays. Let's talk about how we'll gather together physically. This is the tougher one in a way, because we believe presence matters. We believe that Jesus became incarnate for a reason. You know, he could have saved the world some virtual standoffish kind of way. Instead, he took on flesh. He became with and then we are called to be the body of Christ for one another in the world. 
So how can we gather the body physically together in this unusual time? Well, I want to show you a response to our survey that we thought was very interesting. We asked the question, would you prefer an outdoor service or an indoor service? And we saw that just over half of you answered you would prefer an outdoor service. Now, we also read your comments and you said, but not right now because it's too hot. And we hear that too, and we get that. So here's what we've decided to do. We are not going to replace our Sunday morning indoor gatherings with an outdoor gathering. We're not going to do that. But we are going to offer, and in fact, call you to attend a once a month outdoor gathering on our lawn at Brentwood. We're gonna call it Church on the Lawn. It'll be the third Sunday of every month at 6 p.m. beginning August 23rd, just two weeks from today. Ooh, I heard some hoops and hollers. That's good. In the room. Those of you online, um, rejoice as well. Now, here's what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning many of you watching online that, that haven't been able to come back yet. I'm hoping you can come to this. And I know maybe that's not every single one of you for various reasons, and I'm not asking you to do anything that's unwise and unsafe for you based on you know, medical opinions of your care, et cetera. But if you're able to come, bring a picnic blanket, bring picnic chairs, bring a meal, bring food and drinks, spread out on this beautiful lawn around our pond as much as you want to. We've got plenty of space. This is both Brentwood and Franklin coming together as one. And this is where we're gonna sing. You know, we're going to keep singing here too, but this is where we can all sing together. This is where we can be together. It's not going to take the place of Sunday. So come on Sunday morning, then come to something different and unique on Sunday evenings, third Sunday of every month. You'll be hearing more about that next week as well. We're so excited. Finally, we are going to keep rolling with groups. We're going to have in-person groups and online groups. There will be a group event on August 30th for anyone who wants to get connected in a group. And if you're not in a group, I hope you will because you need relationship. We all do this time in particular. Because we know that people are in different places, we're gonna make online groups available for the first time. We're gonna have in-person groups available. Some groups will say, we're gonna meet in person with those who can and, and we're gonna, we're gonna um, bring in virtually a couple other couples or families or individuals. So there'll be a hybrid as well. We want to meet your need as far as groups go because it really matters. So this is how we're gonna gather together. We're gonna gather together in mass every third Sunday of the month out, outdoors celebrate, have fun together. By the way, there'll be things for kids. It's going to be a wonderful place to bring your kids, family-oriented. And we're also going to be leaning into our groups all together in virtual online. All right? Let's talk about praying together. There's an old saying. Y'all can finish it for me. The family that prays together stays together. Yeah, it's a little corny, but I think it's true. I think it's a time-tested phrase for a reason. We are a family. So we're going to stay together by praying together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring back our daily prayer text for this season. If you haven't been with us, here's what these are. Themed prayer devotionals sent to your phone every, every morning to bring unity to the body as we read and pray together every single day. We're going to be reading the same verses and praying the same prayers. We're going to be keeping in step with Jesus together as a body. Every time we've done this, it brings us together. And so we realize, man, God's given us something here. Let's lean into it. So we're going to be praying together through these daily texts. And then I want to talk about one more. How will we serve together? This has always been 
what distinguished the church from the culture around it, one of the main things. In our Made for This series in April, I read a second century quote from Aristides of Athens, who wrote a letter to Emperor Hadrian giving a report on these Christians, you know? And uh, Aristides was describing how Christians were living in a time that honestly was much more dangerous and uncertain and difficult than the time that we're even living in. And this is what this man wrote to the emperor of Rome about what he observed in the Christians around him. They love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if there is among them any that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life. And verily, this is a new people, and there is something divine in the midst of them. I literally just got chills reading that because when you get to the end, there's something divine in the midst of them. Here's this guy that doesn't know that much about Christianity other than what he sees about the Christians around him. And he's saying, there's gotta be something divine in the midst of them. And theologically, my brain is like, yes, there is. It's the Holy Spirit. Men and women, there is something divine in the midst of us. How will we show it? How will we display it? We will serve. We will serve. Here's how we're going to serve. Number one, I'm excited to share this with you. New announcement, October 17th. We're going to have a group serve day. Now, we, we've done these a little bit in the past, but this one's going to be different. It's going to be more significant and substantial because if you're in any group at Fellowship this year, Fellowship group, men's group, women's group, discipleship intensive, we're going to call you to gather with your group on this day and serve somewhere. You get to decide where. This is not going to be everybody showing up here at Brentwood campus or Franklin campus, hundreds of people. We're not doing it that way. We're going to spread out around the community. Groups are going to organize this, but we're going to be doing it on the same day. We're going to bless our community. We're going to bless Williamson County. And we're going to enable you to use your innovation and your intuition and your relationships to figure out the most profound way to bless our community, October 17th. The second thing I want to remind you of, our digital sharing board. I don't know if many of you know about this. It's been up for a few months. You go to our Facebook page to get to it, either um, Brentwood Campus Facebook page or Franklin Campus. There's two different sharing boards. People are posting needs from our body and you all are meeting their needs in real time. And there are some fabulous stories. Honestly, I'm not a big social media guy, but it's worth signing up for a Facebook account just to get on this. It, it, it really is. So take part in what's happening in this digital sharing board. This is how we're helping one another as a body in, an, in a very uh, uh, interesting time of fragmentation. And then finally, this is going to be so cool. I'm excited about it. We're going to mobilize prayer teams to visit anyone with a need. We're not going to invade your house. We're going to stay out in your yard, you know, if, if you, if certainly in, unless we're invited in. And Well, I don't even want to throw that out there. Let's just plan to stay out in, in each other's yards. We're going to gather and pray. And if we've got someone in the group with a guitar, we're going to sing because some of you can't come to church, so we're going to bring church to you. Some of you can't make it out. Some of you just want to see the body of Christ again and be physically near the body of Christ. We will come to you. Let us know. Let us know who you are. We'll come to you. Let us know if you want to be a part of a team that's sent. Let us know. We'll make this happen. Um, I told the other service, this is going to be a little bit like Christmas caroling. 
Let's think of it as COVID caroling. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> I think this has the potential to be something we'll look back on years from now and say, do you remember when? Do you remember when we gathered every third Sunday outside? That was awesome. Do you remember when we went to people's homes because they couldn't come to us? Do you remember when that sharing board was burning hot? Do you remember when? Do you remember when? Guys, these are the good times. I know it doesn't feel that way. These are the times we'll remember. Let me put it all together for you. We don't want to offer you a menu. We want to offer you a pathway. Here's what I mean by that. Take the journey with us. Jump into all this. And and think about how this is connected together. Worship with us together every Sunday. Whether you're online or in person, worship with us. Gather physically together with us every third Sunday at 6 p.m. at Brentwood Campus on the lawn. Join a group. Gather with us that way. Pray together with us through these daily texts as we go step by step through this season together and finally serve together with us. Do that group event in October or the digital sharing board or or the the, the prayer and care teams that's going to be going all around our community. Guys, this is how we will unify in this time and fight against fragmentation, fight against division, fight against separation. We're calling you to this, not just inviting you to it, Because we believe what lies on the other side of fragmentation is wholeness. Wholehearted life in Jesus. Now I want to invite you to take these elements that you picked up on your way in. If you're in the room, if you're not in the room, take the communion elements that you have gathered from your house and and take them in your hand. Uh, If if you're here in the room and you've got one of these little um, sanitary ones, go ahead and start peeling back that first layer because it can be tricky. While you're doing that, I want to remind you what communion means. For 2,000 years, the church has been uniting around the table. Communion comes from the Latin word communio, which means sharing in common. It's what we have in common together. And that Latin word, communio, translates the Greek koinonia. Fellowship. Sharing. As in fellowship Bible church. So some of you have wondered, man, why are we doing communion every week? We didn't used to, now we are. And we've been doing it this way for about a year now. And there's a lot of reasons. One of the reasons are we believe we need to have this in common every single week. So let me read to you 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17. Paul says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body for we all partake in the one bread. Let us eat and remember the body of Jesus Christ. And so we take the cup for the same reasons. This cup unites us. This is what we have in common. It is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for all who will believe. 
receive it with joy. After the very first communion, the last supper with his disciples, before they went out, they sang together. And so that's what we're going to do to end our service this morning. Let's sing.